Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we rejoice that we have this another opportunity to minister to your very precious people tonight. Thank you that revelation knowledge is gifted us tonight. I decree that bodies and yokes are destroyed, sickness and disease terminated. Your people built up, equipped, edified, and Jesus glorified. Thank you, Lord, that by the entrance of your word, light shines in the dark places of our minds. And thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So I decree that everyone hearing the sound of my voice never stumbles in darkness. We give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer sees a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say this word, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, and every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of our online family. All of you are so glad to welcome all of you to the service tonight. I also want to welcome the Aquaibom State community connected right now by way of Comfort FM, XLFM, Radio Aquaibom, Passion FM, Inspiration FM, Heritage FM, XLFM. Wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice tonight, I'd like you to call a friend, a family member, either in the local governments or right here in the capital city. Ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. I also want to use the opportunity to ask our social media community, like you know, we need to flood the earth with the, tr the truth of Christ, with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. And thank you for, your, for allowing us the opportunity to bring the gospel through your Facebook pages, your Instagram pages, and whatever page you have on social media. So do me the favor you've always done. Share the video. Join as many groups as possible. Put the videos right in those groups. Drop them on WhatsApp groups. Drop them on Telegram. Let's lighten the dark places of the earth with the fragrance of Jesus' grace. Let me also welcome all our house churches tonight. We're so glad to welcome all of you brothers and sisters. What a joy to study the word of God together without anything becoming a barrier. Not walls, not distance, nothing. What a joy and an honor. All our campuses around the world, we want to welcome every one of you to the service tonight. Oh my goodness, we're so excited to have everybody in the service. Get ready guys, it's going to be an exciting time of the study of God's word. Are we excited to be here tonight? Let's celebrate the word of God with a shout glory. Hallelujah. Somebody shout a powerful amen. 
Grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible, and your phones. And you can be seated with your sweet, smart self. Let's get in the world tonight. And you know, just before we get in the world, get on your phone quickly, open to your Facebook pages, open to all of your pages, share the video of this service right now. Let's get as many people as possible around the world to be part of the service tonight. <clears throat> We're still examining plans, purposes, and pursuits. Plans purposes and pursuits revelation chapter 4 verse number 11 revelation chapter number 4 verse number 11 thou art worthy o lord to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and we are created things were created for his pleasure not for my pleasure. Thou hast created all things for your pleasure. They are and were created. That means God did not create all things for me. He created all things for him, including me. All things were made for him, by him, through him, and for him. All right, now. So we began to lay some very foundations that are critical and very sensitive to your existence on earth and to your existence in the life after this earth. We also began to look at things that will help you to live a life that is meaningful, a life that is purposeful, and a life that is intentional, a life that is deliberate, not just accidental. Not a life of trial and error, but a life of joy and fullness and fulfillment. Not just that, but a life that pleases God 247. Now you know there are two things. Number one, we establish that you need to know the written word. You need to know the written word. Then number two, we established that you need to follow the leading of the spirit. You need to follow the leading of the spirit of God if you will fulfill your purpose and if you will live out God's purpose for your life on the earth. Number one, you need to know the written word. And we have said for you to be praying for what is already in the clearly written word of God is to look for trouble. Because God can never lead you against his written word. The written word of God is the revelation of God's mind, God's plan, God's intent. The written word of God is the revelation of God's intent for man. So we have established that the written word of God is the will of God. The written word of God is the will of God. Let's clear a few things tonight. Number one, the will of God starts with salvation. The will of God starts with salvation. First Timothy chapter 2 verse number 4. First Timothy chapter 2 verse number 4. Who will have all men, will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So the first thing is, the will of God in my life began when I got saved. The will of God in my life and the will of God for my life began the day I received Jesus. The day I got born again. The day I got saved was my introduction and initiation into the will of God for my life. You do also believe that the will of God is spiritual growth. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So... If, I'm a, if an unbeliever is seeking the will of God, the first thing that unbeliever will need is to be saved. You can never know the will of God outside salvation. 
all of God's will is revealed within the confines of salvation. So number two, I know I am in the will of God if I am growing spiritually. I know I am in the will of God if I am growing spiritually. And I know that I am out of the will of God if I am not growing up spiritually. I am out of the will of God if I'm not growing up spiritually. I don't have to pray about it. Once a man is not growing up spiritually, there's no rocket science. That man is out of the will of God. That man is out of the plan of God for his life. And that man is out of the purpose of God. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 2. First Peter Chapter 2, verse number 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. That's the will of God. That you desire spiritual growth. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 18. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse number 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, but now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace, grow in knowledge. So if I'm not growing spiritually, I know that I am not in the will of God. I know that I am out of the plan of God for my life. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. Hear what brother Paul said to the church in Corinth concerning spiritual growth. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Next verse. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. He is telling you that you should be fed with meat, but you are fed with milk. That means they are not in the will of God. Because what they ought to be doing now, if they were in the will of God, is to be fed with meat. But they are still being fed with milk, meaning they are not in the will of God for their lives. God wants them fed with meat. But they are still feeding with milk. So how long you have been saved is important. And it is so important to know that you can be saved, you can come to church and be bored hearing God's word after 30 minutes because you are not in the will of God. You can be saved, you come to church, you are so bored, you are just managing to come. After 30 minutes of teaching, you are tired, you are no more excited and interested because you are out of the will of God for your life. It's so important for you to know that any man that finds it hard to sit down and hear God's word is out of the will of God for his life. You hardly consider God's word in your actions. It means you are not in the will of God. Because when you are in the will of God, the first thing you think about in making any decision or action or choices is what does the word of God say about this? Because the word of God gives God pleasure. And when you walk within the confines of God's word, you are walking within the confines of God's will. Therefore, you give God pleasure. It's so important. So the will of God is spiritual growth. The will of God is spiritual growth. You join a local church. You don't need to be told that the local church is God's will for your life. 
The local church is God's will for your life. And you cannot grow spiritually outside the local church. Because spiritual growth is the will of God. You grow spiritually not by your age in Christianity. But, but by how you are fed in the world. It's not how long you've been a Christian. It is how fed, how well fed are you? <laughs> you know, it's not how long, it's how well fed are you? You know, some people are still in churches where they are not fed and they have not even understood the importance of the church. The local church is a feeding house. So if you're in a church where you're not fed, you don't understand anything spiritual, you don't understand your Bible and you're just spiritually confused and you're tossed to and fro, you're out of the will of God for your life. Because the will of God is spiritual growth. Number three, the will of God is working in the spirit. The will of God is working in the spirit. Can I be in the will of God when I am walking in the flesh? Of course, no. If I am not walking in the spirit, I am not in the will of God. If I am not walking in the spirit, I am not in the will of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Next verse. For the flesh lusted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Next verse. But if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and the list goes on and on. Look at verse 24 and 25. Galatians 5:24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Next verse. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. How do I know I'm walking in the spirit? Give me verse 21. Verse 21. Galatians 5, 21. In fact, give me verse 22 because of time. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and the list goes on and on. So we've established that salvation is the will of God. Number two, spiritual growth is the will of God. Number three, walking in the spirit is the will of God. Number four, serving the Lord is the will of God. Serving the Lord is the will of God. A senior minister by the name of Roy Hicks, Roy Hicks, Roy Hicks, he was a senior, actually used to be the president of Four Square Church International. He said, when you are in the light, you don't look for light. When you are in the light, you don't look for light. So when you are born again, if you are growing spiritually, if you are walking in the spirit, you are already in the light. If you are serving the Lord, you are in the local church. You are an usher or you are in the counseling team in the local church. You are serving the Lord. 
Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Romans chapter 12 verse number 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You can serve Nigeria in NYSC, but you are not serving the Lord. Serving your nation is not serving the Lord. Of course, it's a good thing to serve your nation. It is your civic duties to your nation. Someone told me, we are all in the service of God. We have the same anointing. You are in ministry. I am a politician. I am a politician. You are in ministry. And somebody says, I am the MD of a bank. All of us are serving the Lord. <laughs> oh my goodness. Somebody else said, if I am working diligently in my office, I am serving the Lord. That means all the staff of your office are serving the Lord. That means all politicians are serving the Lord. That means all government officials are serving the Lord. That cannot be true. Something is wrong with your understanding of service to the Lord. <clears throat> so, serving the Lord therefore has to be clearly qualified. If you are praying for all saints, are you in the will of God? Huh? Yes. Ephesians 6.18 Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So you should pray for people. When you are praying for all saints, you are in the will of God. Every time you are praying for all saints, you are in the will of God. When you are walking in love... Are you in the will of God? Yes. No matter the abuse. No matter how people take you for granted. When you are walking in love, you are of a pleasure to God. It's true that sometimes people could step on your toes when you are walking in love. People could abuse you. People could offend you. But let what they do not be the reason why you are doing what you are doing. The reason why you are walking in love is so that you can be of pleasure to God. It is to please God. So irrespective of what somebody does or does not do, it does not affect what you are doing working in love because you are of pleasure to God primarily. That's very, very important. When you're working in love, people will make you feel like you are stupid. But you are really not stupid because you are not doing it for them. You are doing it to the savior of your soul, the one who loved you and gave himself for you. The one whose love towards you was while you were yet a sinner, he died for you. The one who speared nothing but gave up everything he has to love you. So when you walk in love and people abuse you or take you for granted, remember primarily you are walking in love because it pleases the savior of your soul. When you are walking in love, look at what the Bible tells us. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the first verse. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the first verse. Be therefore followers of God as their children. Look at the next verse. Be followers of God as their children 
and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and had given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor walk in love as Christ Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 32 and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you walking in love is walking in the will of God walking in love is walking in the plan of God for your life please take note these are very important things to understand if you are giving thanks you are in the will of God whenever you give thanks you honor Jesus and you thank him for his mercy and grace and you thank him in everything. You are in the will of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything. When things are working, give thanks. When things are not working, give thanks. Be a man and a woman full of gratitude. Let me be honest with you. When you are always thankful, you may not even notice the things that didn't happen. You may not even happen to notice the things you don't have. When you are full of thanksgiving and gratitude, it is difficult for you to be trapped by the enemy in the trap of ingratitude. That is why it is the will of God for you to give thanks in everything. In everything. Somebody said, but I don't like the situation. Well, give thanks in the situation. He didn't say give thanks for it. Not for it, but while you are in it, you give thanks to God. You are in pain, you give thanks because you're coming out. You are in a challenging situation. You begin to give thanks because you know that God will not abandon you. He will make a way of escape for you. So in everything, you give thanks. So we do the written word. We do the written word. We do what is written in the world. And you know, many times people are looking for what is not lost. You didn't hear that. I repeat. Many times, you see people going about looking for what is not lost, <laughs> you know. And that's why many people pray for things and don't get answers. Because they are praying for what they already have. They already have it. You can't be asking for what you already have because you already have it. The reason why you're not having it is because you already have it. So you cannot be looking for what is not lost. You are ignoring the known and looking for the unknown. In life, you begin with the known. In following God's plan for our lives, you must remember that we are in a world that demands so much of us. We are in a world that demands so much of us. So much of our minds, so much of our thoughts, so much of our deeds. We need to live a daily life of consecration. 
We need to live as believers in Christ Jesus. We need to live a daily life of consecration. So important. A daily life of consecration. Consecration is not an anti-New Testament term. Consecration simply means to give your life to Christ. <laughs> Consecration simply means to give your life to Christ. You do not give your life to Christ in salvation. In salvation, Christ gives you his life. When Christ who is our life shall appear, we shall appear with him in glory. Christ is our life. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am come that you might have life and that you may be abundant. So in salvation, you do not give your life because you have, no, you have no life. You are dead in sins. So in salvation, Christ gives you his life. But after you receive the life of Christ, now you are born of the spirit. You now give your life to Christ in service. You give your life to Christ in service. So in service, what we call consecration, it is you giving your own life to Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Brother Paul was writing concerning the church in Thessalonica. The church in Thessalonica. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse number 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse number 5. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So number one, gave their own lives to the Lord. Number two, unto us by the will of God. They did this before they gave money. You know, many people are not consistent in service. They are not consistent. You are never consistent because you didn't give your life to him first. He gave you his own life. I mean, let's look at Brother Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8. Brother Paul wrote about himself. See what Brother Paul said. Henceforth, give me verse 7 for starters, pretext. 2 Timothy 4 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. I mean, take note of three things. Number one, there is a definite fight. There is a definite fight. Number two, I have finished the course. So there is a course. Number three, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Let's look at that word cause. It has to do with a path. A path. In the classical Greek, it is when you are in the bush 
and you create a part. So a cause here means something you pick out of different options. Something you pick out of different options. So, like there's a bush part and then you create a road. Everyone of us has a cause you must follow. Every one of us. You have a cause you must follow. And there must be a time of discovery of this cause. Where you discover what God's plan is for you. Everybody must come to that bridge. Some people think my desires are God's desires. Well, that's foolhardiness. My desires are not automatically God's desires. I must yield my desires to God's desires by finding out what are God's desires. There must be a point where you say, I was going this way, then I discovered that was not God's plan for my life. I made a U-turn to go the way God will have me go. You must have a testimony like that. I wanted to do this, but the Lord told me to do this. Every child of God must have that testimony many times in your life. So there must be a path. What is the cause you are following? You must discover the plan. Because God has a definite specific plan for your life. God has a definite specific plan for your life in Christ Jesus. Look at Psalm 127 verse 1. Let's do some work there. Psalm 127 verse number 1. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wicked, but in vain. The watchman wicked, but in vain. Let's look at some vital truth there. The word vain. Vain doesn't mean you couldn't build it. Vain doesn't mean you didn't achieve it. Notice they labor in vain that build it. So they built it. They labor in vain that built it. So they built it. The issue is the word vain. In the Greek and Hebrew, same transliteration, Paul used it as well. The word vanity is not lack of activity. Vanity. It's not even a lack of success. Remember, they built the house. And in the secular world, once you wanted to build and you build it, you've succeeded. Alright? So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 17, where brother Paul used that word vain again. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14 for starters. We'll read from 14 to 17. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we have found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. He says your faith is vain. Notice what he says is vain. Your faith is vain. 
Then he says, our preaching is vain. Look at verse 18 and 19. Notice the sequence. Then they also which are falling asleep in Christ are perished. 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If in this life only. So that defines the word vain. That defines the word vain. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. That is why in the same chapter, verse 58, he now says, verse 58, same context, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The word vain has to do with something that is temporal. It is the exact opposite of eternity. So it means that something, that something has no bearing in eternity. It's transient. It has no eternal value. It has no bearing in eternity. Which means therefore that it is only eternity that counts. It is only eternity that counts. So he says in Psalm 127 verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the watchman watch over the city, I mean, except the Lord watch over the city, the watchman wicked, but in vain. In other words, in other words, it's only what God builds that is eternal. It is only what God builds that is eternal. I repeat, it is only what God builds that is eternal. What God doesn't build never goes beyond this lifetime. What God doesn't build never goes beyond this lifetime. So the word vanity is something that is restricted to this earth. Something that is restricted to this earth. Vanity. Notice how brother Paul mentions it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 and we shall read to verse 15. Pay attention. 1 Corinthians 3.10 According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another builded thereon. But let every man take heed how he builded thereupon. Next verse. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work 
of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. He said, what shall not abide where? In eternity. He said, the man whose work shall be burnt in eternity shall suffer loss. When we say suffer loss, it means the man did nothing. Because when the works are burnt, the man is left with nothing. So all the efforts, all the labor, all the time, everything gone. The man shall operate as one who did nothing. Because value is attached to eternity. Value is only attached to eternity. Please pay attention. That's what brother, you know, brother Sam, I mean brother David said in Psalm 127. And brother Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Do you know that the man whose work was born also did something? He did something. Which means activity is not equal to God's plan and purpose. Activity is not equal to God's plan and purpose. Activity, that means to just be active. Doing so many things. Being all over the place. Just being busy, busy, busy. <laughs> Even men liking what you're doing. But Solomon says it's vanity. Vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. Because he said everything was restricted to this earth. So everything that is restricted to this earth is vanity. Everything that has no eternal value is vanity. Anything that expires here on earth is vanity. So what really matters is what you do for the Lord. Brother Solomon says, whatever will not matter in eternity is vain. Is there anything you are doing now that will be recorded in heaven? Think about it. In your life, is there anything you are doing right now that will be recorded in heaven? Let me touch something sensitive. Notice, in Matthew 6.24, what Jesus' commentary is, Matthew 6 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. You, you may not understand the import of what he's saying. Until you read the preceding verses. Look at verse 25 of the same chapter. Therefore I say unto you. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat. Or what you shall drink. 
nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? What he's saying here is that anything that my needs motivate is a love of money. Anything that my needs motivate is a love of money. Anything my needs motivate me to do is a love of money. You know, most times when we do business or pick up appointments, our motivation is what we gain from it. Most times the first thing you look at for in an employment letter is the salary. How much are they going to pay? How much are they going to pay? He is saying you cannot serve God and mammon. You have to prefer one to the other. Is that not crazy? When what we call success in this earth is how much money I can make. But Jesus said no. Your needs must not motivate you. If your needs are motivating you, you love money. If your needs are motivating you, you have a wrong relationship with money. If your needs are motivating you, you and money are in an immoral relationship. Love of money is a wrong relationship with money. Where money becomes the motivation for whatever you do. Now look at the flip side. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 5. Plans, purposes, and pursuits. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. From such Paul said this to Timothy. He said, when anybody sees godliness as gain, when anybody sees relationship with God as a tool for making money, when anybody see knowing God as a vehicle to make money, and you know, that is, that is the... the, the, the the lacuna of the prosperity gospel. Give God, God will give you. If you don't give, God will not give you. So I'm coming to God because I see God as a money doubler. My motivation for God is that I want to use God for my needs. I want to use God for my needs. And you know that's the problem with those churches. Where every time you go, the first thing they welcome you with is testimonies. I came to this church, I'm not up to one month, the car is outside. I came to this church, I'm not, so God now is seen as a means to an end. And that is the love of money. The love of money is when money motivates you to serve God. When you have a wrong relationship with money, 
You hear things like, when praises go up, blessings come down. That's fraud. What nonsense. Are you settling God with praise? Are you bribing God with praise? It is because the blessings came down. That's why we are praising God in appreciation. It's not the other way around. Some people, that's why they don't give in church. Because you didn't motivate them enough. If you sow this seed now, a hundredfold. 24 hour miracles. 24. There are 20 of you now. If you drop 55,000. 24. So your motivation for giving is seeing God as a medium of doubling your money. Immoral, immoral ambition. Immoral motivation. Corrupt. But because it corrupt minds. Destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. And he says, when you see such pastors, and when you see such churches, and when you see such believers that are motivated by money, withdraw yourself. Withdraw yourself. Your seed will meet your need. Fraud. I don't do it because I'm not a fraudster. I don't do such things because I'm not 419. We have learned here in Power City not to use the word of God in deceit. You too don't be deceitful because it goes both ways. He says when you see somebody that takes godliness as gain, withdraw yourself. Look at verse 6 of the same chapter. <coughs> but godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment is contentment. It means to be contented. Some things, some people are, you know, some things you have right now is somebody's prayer request. Some things you have right now, you don't even value it. It's somebody's prayer request. You know what I'm talking about? You right now, you are somebody's dream. The way you are, with all your complaints, somebody's praying to just be like you. Contentment. Contentment. Our contentment is godliness. Look at verse 7, 8, and 9. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Next verse. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. 10. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith 
and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Having money is not a problem. Money is not evil. But it's a wrong relationship. It is when money now becomes your motivation. I'm talking about Christians. The first thing on their mind is money. They don't do anything if they don't know how much will come out of it. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Say, brother, open us in prayer. What's in it for me? How much? Brother, lead us in praise worship. How much? Come and share with us in Bible study. How much will you pay? Money is their motivation to do whatever they do. They are corrupt. They are money motivated. When they relate with a brother, they see that brother as commodity. Do you know that there are people that are in churches where they don't believe in what is preached, but they are there because of networking. They are in love with money. They are serving mammon. They are not serving God. They are in churches and they know that what is preached there is not correct. But they will say, ah, all my friends are here. How will I live? If I live and something happens, who will I run to? So their motivation for being in a church is monetary. They are corrupt. They are not serving Jesus. They are not serving God. They are not serving God at all. They are serving mammon. They are serving themselves. A wrong relationship. There are even people that follow me online. They know that where they go to, what they are hearing from me is being corrupted. But because of what they are going to gain, they will rather divide themselves into two. They hear the gospel, they go and get corrupted, they come and hear the gospel. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. If your eye is double, your body will be full of darkness. If your eye is single, your body will be full of light. They are in love with money. They are in love with money. They are passionately in love with money. Money has bought their soul. Money has bought their heart. Money has bought their purity. Money has bought their innocence. They are corrupt. When they relate with a sister, they are looking forward to cheat her. When they relate with a brother, they are looking forward to cheat him. You look at their face, they look innocent. But their heart is corrupt. You can't serve God and serve mammon. So question tonight. What is your motivation? All divine purpose can be seen in eternity. All divine purpose can be seen in eternity. What you are doing, is it eternal in purpose? Some people have no appetite for spiritual things. <laughs> no appetite. Whatever you do so well that has no eternal purpose, you are wasting your time. I repeat. Whatever you do so well that has no eternal purpose is a waste of your time. 
God's purposes are not coincidental. They are a function of what you find out and what you walk in. They are not incidental, coincidental. As you grow up spiritually, there are some things you don't have to be told. Like Paul will say to the brethren in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2. 1 Corinthians 3 2. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. Look at the way he will speak to another church in Ephesians 4.14. Ephesians 4.14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sly of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You can't be a child for long. You can't be a Christian for long, no growth, no maturity, and convince yourself that you are walking in God's plan and purpose. You are a long-standing Christian and you lack stability. So when? So a true test of divine purpose is eternity. A true test of divine purpose is eternity. Else you labor and labor and labor and labor in vain. That's why I said our labor in the Lord is not in temporal things. Our labor is not in vanities, vain things. You know, many people think when you're young, that is when to enjoy, run around, have fun. Paul wrote a letter to a young man in the Bible. Why did he tell him? We shall soon examine that, but let's look at even Jesus, a boy of 12. In Luke chapter 2, he went to the temple. He didn't go to children's church. At 12, he went to the temple. Where doctors of the law, where the Pharisees, the custodians of the Torah, that is where Jesus went for service. You know, these people that always ask me, Dr. Damina, is there any manual for children's church? What I'm teaching is for children's church. There's no special message for children. It's the same message. It's the same message. At the age of 12, Jesus did not go to children's church. He was in the main temple, reasoning with doctors of the law. At the age of 12, Jesus was not watching cartoon. They didn't break down Bible teaching for Jesus to cartoons. He was reading the same scroll that the Pharisees were reasoning. And they were reasoning together. Let's stop downplaying and wasting our young people. Let's expose them to the truth of the gospel. He was 12, reasoning the word of God. Not that he was playing football in church or playing games or they gave them toys. And Jesus was carrying, carrying a toy, a fat toy. My mommy loves me. 
you know, those fat, fat buff, those puffs, teddy bears. One fat one, they give Jesus. Jesus and the teddy bear will be running around. Children's church. He's just 12. No! He was reasoning with doctors of the law. And Jesus is our model. Not that he was, you know, waiting for, for to be 30 before. No, no, no. At, at 12. He told his mother, I must be about my father's business. So at the age of 12, he already knew the plan, the purpose, and the will of God for his life. And he was in pursuit of it. I must be about my father's business. Jesus didn't come to earth with purpose as a man. But the Bible says he grew. Which means he was exposed early to the word of God. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and man. In Luke 2.40, Luke 2.52, Jesus grew up. He wasn't born like that. Yet, at the age of 12, he was so, which means as early as 2, 3, 4, he was already being exposed to sound teaching. Then brother Paul now writes a young man by the name Timothy. Timo. Timothy was either in JSS3 or he was in pre-degree. He was a young man, about 17. Young man. In 1 Timothy 3.14, see what brother Paul will instruct Timothy. 3.14. Sorry, 2 Timothy 3.14. 2 Timothy. Chapter 3, verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Next verse. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. From a child which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. From a child. 1 Timothy 4.12 Brother Paul is instructing Timothy Let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation in charity, in spirit in faith and in purity Some of us in power city is obvious we are young And some of us, because we think we're young, we have decided to be stupid. How can a young man in, be in four relationships, four different relationships within the space of one year? Four. One sister, two sister, three sister, four sister. Even now he's going to the fifth one. That's stupidity. Be an example of believers. It means elderly people should look up to you even though you're young. There's no age we should not look up to you. I told myself, as a teenager, nobody will look down on my age. I will grow in the world. As a teenager, I'm not talking about what I didn't do or what I didn't know. In 1 Timothy 4, 13 to 16, see what brother Paul told Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading. He's talking to a young man. To exhortation and to doctrine. Next verse. 
Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. 16. Take heed unto yourself, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself, and them that hear thee. He is talking to a young man. A young man that was not yet 20 years. Look at the instructions. These are the same instructions that you will give to a big archbishop. Same instructions you will give to an apostle. You have to grow up. Let's note five things he told Timothy. Number one, as a child you have learned the scriptures. So if you are a young person listening to me, learn the scriptures. Know the word. Number two, he says, be exemplary. Be an example. Number three, he says, meditate. So that your profiting will appear to all. Meditate. Number four, he told him, don't neglect your gift. Don't neglect your calling. There's a call upon your life. It may not earn you fame immediately, but he says, tear up the gift. You know, your purpose is what we call the anointing upon your life. Then number five, take heed to your doctrine. Take heed to your doctrine. Someone says, I know God has called me to the ministry, but I need to settle some things. Yeah. On Sunday, we said there are seven things you must ask questions about. Do you remember? Okay. Go to Acts chapter 9. When Jesus appeared to Paul, he asked Jesus an important question. Lord, what will you have me to do? That question is different from asking things. Is different from Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, and you shall have. <laughs> that question is different. This is what Brother Kenneth Hagin will call a prayer of consecration. Lord, if it be Thy will, Lord, if it be Thy will, I will go. A prayer of obedience to God's pleasure. It's not a prayer of request. It's a prayer of obedience. A prayer of yielding. I say yes, oh yes, to your will and to your word. I say yes, oh yes. I will trust you and obey. Yeah. This is a prayer of consecration. You know, I pray that this series will help us to stop living our lives for ourselves. That our eyes be opened. That our lives are not to be for ourselves. That our lives are to be for his glory. So many teachings today that focuses on self. 
Self. I, 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 I. He says, what will you have me do? This is not a prayer to receive. It's a prayer to obey. Many of us probably haven't prayed that prayer before. God never shows you all he wants you to do. Mm -mm. He never shows you everything at once. He shows you step by step. So you keep asking at every step. The first thing he said we have to do or ask is for the place. The place. Because purpose must have a place. God is particular about a place. There are places God doesn't want you to go to. You know in Matthew chapter 10 verse 5 he told his disciples not to go in the way of the Gentiles, not to go to the Samaritans. Why? Purpose is tied to a place. Purpose is tied to a place. And then much later I told him to go to the whole world. Matthew 28, Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's why I say not all things will be revealed to you at once. It must be tied to a place. Notice, you must never be found jumping from place to place. A man that is jumping from place to place suffering from instability. I used to have a friend who came to Akwaibomia and said, God sent me to come and start a church. He started a church in Akwaibomia somewhere on a car road. Before he could turn, he has closed down the church. He said, God said, you should go to Lagos. He went to Lagos. He started a church in Lagos. Before one year is over, he's closing down. He went to Abuja. He's in Abuja, he called me. He said, God said, Lagos is not the place, Abuja. He started a church in Abuja. Before I know, he has closed it and come back to Uyo. He's no more in ministry. Now he says his ministry is to be counseling young ministers. To do what? To be moving around. That is clearly a young man that is totally out of the will of God. Totally out of the plan of God for his life. You must discover the place of your purpose. A believer must be led by the spirit of God. Many just move around and do not discover that there is a place to purpose. There is a place to purpose. Since what God wants to be done are done in places. The people God wants to use to do these things must be in places. So, there is a place to fulfill God's plan and there is a place to fulfill God's purpose. A lot of things go wrong when we do things our own way. There are places attached to your purpose. And you have to be there. In going to the nations, maybe you decided to leave Nigeria and go to another country. No, I said it the other time. Even when you leave your country to another country, the primary motivation should be ministry. Oh yes, you will go and get education. Oh yes, you will go and get a job. Oh, yes. But the first thing that should be your motivation to relocate must be ministry. It has to do with purpose. 
I will get into that in details. Your career place. It's important before you change your job. Think about it. Pray about it. Don't let the salary move you. Find out God do you want me there? Beyond the salary is God. Otherwise you are serving mammon. Before you decide on business, academics, travel. Remember God called Abraham to a place. A place I will show you. Get thee out of your father's house to a place I will show him. He told him don't go down to Egypt. There are places you shouldn't go to. Why are you relocating? Is he attached to the purpose of God for your life? Or are you relocating because that place looks like it's greener in pasture? If it is money that is moving you, you are serving mammon. Please, this is very important. And remember, you cannot serve God and mammon. So anything money motivates you to do can never be God's will. Anything money motivates you to do can never be God's will. Someone says, ah, no, it's for the gospel. When I make money, I will give it. Listen, if money motivates you, know that God is not motivating you. God and money cannot motivate you. One of them has to be the one motivating you. If selfishness motivates you, it cannot be God. So why are you traveling? What's the primary purpose why you are traveling? It's not like you will not make money, but that will not be your primary motivation. That will not be your primary motivation. That's why some people never get to the will of God for their lives again. They just get lost in their selfishness. Till they die, they never scratch the will of God. Because they never ask the right questions. And they were not even ready for the right answers. <laughs> Why are you relocating? Why are you changing your job? What's your motivation? Look at the written word of God and follow the inward witness. Don't just travel. Don't just marry for marrying's sake. There's a place of purpose. Don't change places. Don't change jobs without praying and being persuaded that that is the plan of God for your life. Anytime you feel a discomfort in your spirit, don't take action. Just pray first and wait. It's better to be slower than God. <laughs> it's better to be what? Slower than God. No matter the pressure from friends and family, don't let anybody rush you out of the will of God for your life. Always check the inward witness. In Paul's vision, Acts 22, Acts 23, Everything God said to Paul was about people. Everything. 
everything God said to Paul was about people. First, I will deliver you from the people. Secondly, I will now send you to them. Please write this in capital letter. God's purposes for us are always tied to people. God's purposes for us are always tied to people. Whatever is eternal has to do with people and not with things. Whatever is eternal has to do with people and not with things. Don't live for things. Live for people. I'm not saying worship people. I'm saying live for people. But remember that your purpose in Christ are always tied to people. The people you are sent to defines your purpose for you. The people you are sent to defines your purpose for you. Many of us despise purpose because the people are not things. If it was things, we would have rushed. But because it's people, we feel that people are a problem. Sometimes the places God's purpose for you will be is in nursery schools. Nursery schools among babies, among children. Some people, your purpose is tied to secondary schools. I look back and I thank God. For those brethren who took my secondary school serious and didn't treat us as small boys and girls. They came to our school every Wednesday. They paid their transport fare. They printed out the teaching outline and gave to us for free. And we sat down and they taught us. They did this for all the five years I was in secondary school. And they drove doctrine that set the foundation for what I'm doing today. Supposing they looked down on me like a little boy. Form 1, Form 2, Form 3. But look at what God has made out of me today. Because they too did not look down on their purpose in reaching out to me. You know some people, they look down on what God has called them. Because it, it is not beneficial to their pocket. Many people, once something does not have material gain, they don't, they don't take it serious because they are money motivated. They are serving mammon. We are men of eternal value. Whatever has to do with people, God is concerned. No matter the age group. Some of us take things on serious. Because it's a children's church. It's a teenage church. Why are you playing with eternity? Because the children's church and the teenager's church is eternity of men. Listen again. God's purposes are tied to people and not to things. Places are important and mentioned and the people in the places are also important. Sometimes you discard campus fellowships, school fellowships. They are all men. They may be students, they may not be worth anything in your eyes. But they are worth everything in eternity. Your purpose can never be outside people. Never. 
God uses you for me and uses me for you. That's purpose. God uses me for you and uses you for me. That's purpose. I must locate it. I must stick to it. Sometimes it can be boring. It may not be exciting. That's where God wants you to be. Hey. Listen. Don't miss meetings. Bible study. Teaching meetings. Sunday services. There are some meetings. Some people have missed. And it has affected them for the rest of their lives. Men's lives are made by things said. Don't miss meetings. Purpose is tied to places. Don't work for yourself. Work for people. Even in the secular, the richest people on earth are people that have devoted their time producing what meets the needs of people. Don't live for you. Live for people. When we say people, I'm not talking about your family, your wife, your children, your your no, that is still you. That's still selfish. Don't serve things. Don't work for things. You didn't hear that. Don't serve things. Don't work for things. Purpose is tied to people. If you know that God has a purpose for your life while you are here, then you must be led as to who to get married to. As a young man, as a young woman, you must be led as to who to get married to. There are people you can't marry and there are people that cannot be your friends. Cannot. There are people that cannot be in your inner circle because of the purpose attached to your life. Psalm 127 verse 1 has around up today's service. Are you blessed? I know I'm preaching good. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wicked bought in vain. It doesn't mean that the house will not be built, but the house will not last. After this life, that will be all. But remember, there is life after here. Don't just work for this life. From that first Corinthians 3, we saw some people actually lived for nothing. Because their works were burnt. They lived for nothing. The most disastrous thing for a Christian is to do efficiently what he ought not to have done at all. To do efficiently what he ought not to have done at all. May we not waste our time. May we not waste our lives pursuing things that do not matter. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things 
that he possesses. May our hearts be filled with purpose. May we pursue purpose. May we live a life that is driven to fulfill God's purpose in men's lives. To impact lives. To be a blessing to humanity. To bring God's will for men to pass. Show me what you want me to do in my generation. Show me what you want me to do in my own time. God has something for you to do. As a plan, as a purpose for you, find it and pursue it. Glory to God. Are we blessed tonight? Stand on your feet as well, I got for you. Live a life that is tied to purpose, and that purpose will be found where? In men. In men. Father, I pray for everybody in this service tonight, everybody in this building, everybody in the house centers, everybody in the campuses, all of the online audience, radio audience, television audience tonight, that this word comes with clarity, that your people rise up to this great revelation and begin to seek to know your purpose and plan for their lives so they can pursue it and become people that are investing into eternity. Thank you, Father. Where there was confusion, it is dissolved. Where there was confusion, it is dissolved. Where there was confusion, it is dissolved. In the name of Jesus. Baloda, legron, nangrana hodea. Bebroda, zoke, lekushakata, maleto bege, lekorotosa. Clarity upon clarity. Receive in the name of Jesus. I decree that God's plan and purpose for your life is unveiled. And I command that your heart is quickened. Revelation knowledge grows big on your inside until nothing else matters. Barriers are terminated in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Men of eternal value rising all over the world. Men whose focus is in eternity. Men who live their life to fulfill the will of God on the earth. Men who live their life pursuing divine purpose and divine will. Leko shako pari kato lebrato ma koro tasa legato be lekuta nanga ege bajoko lekeretusa bereke tunange jekolo dobohoda. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. Confusion ceases in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Glory! Amen. amen. Listen carefully. I'll be joining Mr. Michael Bush in the next two or three minutes for Ask the Counselor now. But just before we do that, I want to take up your honor offerings. Every time we bring you God's word, we give you an opportunity to honor the word of God with your givings. When you honor God's word, you receive from that word, you receive all the grace and all the blessing that was intended to reach you through the teaching and preaching of God's word. All over the, all over the world, online, the banking details are scrolling. 
And for those of you on radio, Mr. Michael Bush will read the banking details for you tonight. And then, of course, for those of you online, the banking details are there. Television, the banking details are there. And in our campuses, you grab your honor offerings. We give in faith tonight. We give with joy. I do not serve mammon. I serve God. My motivation is not money. My motivation is the plan and the purpose of God for my life. Along with that plan and purpose, God will meet my needs. Money will come, things will come, but those things are not my pursuit. My pursuit is the will and the purpose of God. Hallelujah. So when we give, we give intentionally. We give deliberately. We do not just give like they give collection in churches. No, we give intentionally because we are running with a, with a vision, with a mandate of God that will, that will touch lives all over the earth through the preaching of the gospel. And thank you for making yourself a part of making this available to millions all over the world. Lift up your offerings. Let's pray. Father, praying for everybody giving tonight. Our offerings are a sweet smell. And we thank you for the opportunity to give in faith. All those giving in the house centers, those giving in campuses, the online community, television and radio, the blessing is upon you. Your needs are made supernatural. Those giving in the building here, God's grace is upon you. And I decree that as you give tonight, your needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name, and every believer sees a powerful amen. Glory! Amen. Listen carefully. Sunday morning, I continue teaching on plan, purposes, and pursuits. We have quite a number of things to cover in this series. But I tell you, it's going to change your life forever. We love you guys. Looking forward to continue bringing you God's word. Remember, tomorrow evening, we are still here at 6 p.m. GMT plus one each evening until Sunday morning. First service, 7.30 a.m. I go live at 8 a.m. GMT plus one. And I go live at 11 a.m. Two services, GMT plus one. We love you guys. Get more people to follow what we're doing in this church. Get more people to be part of what God is doing here. God is raising an army of people all over the world that the devil will be afraid of for the rest of their lives. We love you guys. Looking forward again to, to sharing the grace of God and serving you God's purpose. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service tonight. Glory! Amen. We trust that you have been blessed by this message. To order the complete series of this message and all the messages by Dr. Abel Daminer, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email powercityoffice at gmail.com. Okay, thank you for staying tuned. And... Um just about the time that we always would do something, especially for a radio audience. So the bank details, in case you want to take part in the offering rounds. Account name is Power City International, but of course, there are three banks as usual. I start on this edition with Zenith. 10, 12, 36, 59, 12, 10, 12, 36, 59, 12. That is Zenith. And then, of course, there is Power City International. That is the account name. It is the same for UBA, 139-26-465, 139-26-465, still the same account name, Power City International. It's the same too for FCMB, 2982-68-2028, announcement number one down quickly, quickly announcement number two. For sponsorship, you just simply call plus two three four. If you're doing that from outside the country, otherwise it's 803 
275-6104. Or you better um, send an email or two to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Dr. there, of course, is uh, D-R. Okay, so my name is Michael Bush. I'm here complete with the leader of the team, the man who is the set man for this job, the man without whom we will not be doing this. He's seated here, prolific writer, yep, somebody you can't ignore, whether you like or yes. Help me welcome Global Barber, Dr. Abel Damina. The Intercontinental, Mr. Bush. Global so Barber. good to see you today. See all of that the grammar, that of that English I was speaking, no one clapped for me. The moment Global Barber came and Twelve they mentioned this name. <laughs> okay, so Global Barber just set the stage. Yes. Great day. Very good. Yes, super excited to be back. Great. We'll to the traditional ritualistic opener. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for grace, mercy, and Jesus. We thank you for guaranteed answers to prayer, for this is the confidence that we have, that whatever we ask, you hear it us. And because you hear us, we have our desired petition. We pray for Kwaibom State, the governor and his cabinet. We pray for all the public servants and civil servants in this state. We decree that they continue to be strengthened to do the good that they do to enable us have an enabling society to fulfill God's purpose and preach the gospel. We ask, O oh God, that you keep them, that you strengthen the governor and give him all that he requires to fulfill the mandate of keeping the society safe, sane, and uh, fulfilling the mandate of bettering the lot of the people. We pray for Nigeria. We pray for the rest of the world. Amen. That, Lord, the gospel continues to thrive. Ministers are raised, believers are equipped, and the glory of God is made manifest in our lifetime. Amen. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Global Barber. The Intercontinent. Yes. So yeah. we spent the night in Europe. So we're going to be starting from the UK on this edition of the program. Dear Global Barber and the Continental Michael Bush, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks so much, Global Barber, for the expository teaching of the word, Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Please, can you give clarity to the both scripture? What's the Lord referring to by the good works as a means of judgment? Remain blessed. From Dr. Samuel the uk when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory next verse and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided the sheep from the goats next verse and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left next verse then shall the king say unto those on the right hand come ye blessed of my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world next verse for i was unhungered and you gave me to eat I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as you have done this unto the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now, please you must remember that all of these writings of Jesus and teachings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were parables. What is a parable? A parable is a mode of communication that has with it facts, fictions, and a lesson. So you don't follow a parable hook, line, and sinker. So when you have a parable like this, what you want to ask yourself is, what are the fictions, what are the facts, and what's the lesson? The lesson simply is this, that if you're born of God, it will reflect in your conduct towards others. So Jesus was saying that you need it to the least of my brethren, meaning that within the body of Christ, you are a blessing, 
you were able to help brethren, you were able to reach out to brethren who are in need, and you did it to Jesus by doing it to them. So what he was dealing with there is conduct. Our conduct, our service as believers, which shall be rewarded. That's what Jesus was communicating. Okay, Global Power, let's stay on that continent, and that is um, Europe. This one says, hello, Global Baba, and the intercontinental Mr. Michael Bush. In Matthew 24, 3, the disciples of Jesus asked, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? As can be read from Matthew 24, 14, Jesus answered, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So, Global Baba, can we conclude that the end that Jesus was talking about is the end of the world because that was what the disciples asked? Or, this is the end of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Would you please shed light, Global Baba, on the end of the world that the disciples asked and the end that Jesus answered, are they the same or different? Thank you, Global Baba. Well, again, the end there, Jesus was communicating to them. Remember, he had not died, he had not risen. None of that had happened. And when they were asking for the end of the world... Actually, you've got to know that there is there they, that they were talking about also the destruction of Jerusalem, you know, which was also part of that discourse Jesus was having with them. So the end there is within that context. It has to do with the fulfillment of prophecy, the fulfillment of everything that was spoken concerning Jesus. Which Jesus now said to them, when all of the prophecies concerning him were fulfilled, the last thing that shall be done is the preaching of the gospel until the end of the world. And that's what we're doing now. And that's what we'll keep doing until this world is over. Okay, so Global Baba still from that continent. This one says, uh, greetings. Global Baba, I'd like to thank you once more for saving us always with the word of God. Sir, I heard a preacher saying, not every Christian will go on the first flight. That, that, that first flight that you refer to the first rapture. Yes. He said, only those who are prepared will make it. I wish to ask if there is any special preparation we have to do in order to make it. The only preparation is to be born again. Once you have Christ, you have Christ in you. That's a guarantee for rapture. Okay, so Global Baba, the last I'll be taking is another anonymous entry still from the continent of Europe and something that I think you find quite interesting. Hello, Global Baba. Thank you very much for being a light to our generation. I would like to ask if soul ties is biblical and sex spiritual. Can one person carry other spirits by being intimate with them? When the Bible says they become one flesh, does it mean they form a covenant or a spiritual bond? There's nothing like spiritual sex. Sex is natural. It's nothing like spiritual sex. Don't follow all those fallacies. There's nothing. Jesus said that spirits don't have anything to do with marriage or the benefits of getting married. So there's nothing like spiritual sex. However, you know, um, when the Bible was talking about one flesh, it was not also talking about bodies becoming one. It was actually talking about that union called marriage. The union called marriage is one flesh, where a husband and a wife become one. That is metaphorical. It's not literal. Okay, Global Bible said that was the last... Um... Well, we just need to push this one in because this is the one that I said we find quite interesting. For very obvious reasons, this one is going to be anonymous. Hello, Global Baba. I'd like to thank you especially for being a loving father and a teacher. I'm hurting on the inside because I'm tired and depression is beginning to set in. I listen to your messages, but every time I want to live my life in the realities of Christ, Global Baba, people think I'm pretending. 
I guess that's because before I lived my life based on the world system. At some point, I decided to just believe who I am in Christ and then just live my life smoking and drinking. I met a man who said he loves me and wanted us to have a family. Now, Global Baba, I am a mom pregnant for him, but he says he wants only the child because he can't marry someone like me. To him, I'm mentally not well. He also asked me if I could marry someone like myself. I always ask Jesus to fix my life and to help me stop smoking and drinking. Things I have tried so many times to stop and I couldn't on my own. Global Baba, I feel my life is about to take a turn that can make me become more depressed. And I want to also abort this child because my mom is divorced. And she's the one who has been taking care of my siblings and me since we were young. I don't want to bring shame to her by having a child out of wedlock, Global Baba. Although I'm almost 30 now. I live alone and work to take care of myself and assist her in caring for my siblings. Please, I need your advice as my father. I also need the church to pray for me. I want to live out my realities in Christ. I would like to remain anonymous. Global Baba, thank you, sir. Well, first of all, I really feel for you because um, your life has is, is been messed up by all of these. But it's not hopeless. You don't even have to get depressed. God loves you. It has not changed the love of God for you. God loves you very much. And you're within the confines of his love. All you need to do is just accept his love. And his love will fix your life together as if it never existed. Remember, if any man in Christ, a new creature, God is, you know, the power of God, the love of God is able to put your life together. So this is what I will advise you to do. First of all, stop trying not to smoke. Stop trying not to drink. Just focus on Christ. Focus on Christ. Get on YouTube. Get my messages on YouTube and start listening to them, you know, more times than you smoke. If you smoke three times a day, listen to my messages six times a day. For every one smoke, listen to a message for two hours. For every one smoke, listen to a message until the appetite for smoking will disappear. That's my advice. So don't focus on the smoking and drinking. Focus on Christ. We all with open face, as we behold the glory of God as in a mirror, we are changed into that same image from glory to glory. Finally, I will also advise if you can send us a mail with your phone number, we would love to call you, pray for you, and see how we can get you involved in a community of brethren that will hold you accountable and help you to be able to, you know, get over all of these and live the life that God has for you. And let me tell you lastly, God has a plan for you. Don't let the devil cheat you out of God's plan. We're expecting to hear from you. Send us your number. We're flying out of Europe, the continent of Europe, and wondering where to go, whether the Americas or Australia or Asia. But mid-air, hello, Global Baba and the Intercontinental Michael Bush. Hello, I, I greatly appreciate your labor of love and the great work you have been doing in the body of Christ. Thank you, Global Baba. I'm an international facilitator involved in real estate, investment banking, forex, crude oil, and gold bars consultation and facilitation. For some time over the past uh, few years, business has not been funny at all, Global Baba, with so many disappointments and circumvention hitting my business from all directions. But I engaged the last two weeks of deliberate emphasis on the miraculous and put my mind beyond my ability and expertise onto the ability and capacity of the miraculous power of God's word through your office as my father and man of God. I tell you, Daddy, there has been a sudden, a sudden shift on all the dynamics of my job, the demographics, and the elements, forces, and influences that are fundamentally in control of my job are finally submitting to the working of God's power in my life through my improved knowledge of God's word. No, Baba, I can tell you that this thing is moving from the direction of my 
real estate business and bringing deals into a closable position at my, at my mercy. In the weeks to come, I strongly believe that this manifestation will eat every facet of my endeavor and cause all profitable deals within my reach to favor me. I'm grateful to you, Global Barber. Please kindly drop your personal bank details, sir, so that I will make my update on what is happening possible through bank assets also. Thank you. Love this one. That's a good one. <laughs> so, so, I, so he I wants to. you smile. Yeah, sure, sure. That's no, a good one. I love it. It ended well. It ended well, Global. That's a good one. Yeah, sure. The you know, bank details are absolutely. already on their way. In fact, in fact, that's the most important thing. MS is on his way now. <laughs> you know, so I like the fact that, yes, you know, I like the fact that, um, he, he knows what to do. Yeah. I just like the fact that yeah. he knows what to do. Yeah. So Global, there's nothing to add. There is nothing, nothing to, to add. We agree with you that everything falls in place. All payments are made. Money keeps coming to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Global Bar to the United States next. And this one says, warm greetings to my Global Bar and the Intercontinental Mr. Bush. Global Bar, I celebrate the gift of Christ in you and want to say thank you for your devotion to the teaching of God's word. I'm honored to be under your tutelage. Testimony. On February 16, 2021, approximately 2 a.m., my 10-month-old infant family member suffered an heart attack, she be a heart attack, and suddenly stopped breathing. His mom ran to my room screaming and crying, telling me to come quick. I ran to the room and saw baby laying lifeless. I picked him up and immediately started speaking in the Holy Ghost. In a few seconds, he was revived and started breathing laboriously. We rushed him to emergency room. Upon arrival, his breathing went out again. But I kept praying in the Holy Ghost. Doctors performed chest compressions, and after 30 minutes, he was breathing again, but was labeled in critical condition. After approximately seven hours, Global Barber, he was transferred to Children's Hospital. Upon arrival, he was sedated and placed in a medical-induced coma. Doctors' reports said he will be brain dead if he pulls through and that he will need a ventilator for a very long time. At this point, I called on my local campus members here in Atlanta to pray, and I played all the teachings on the healing ministry of Jesus day and night and kept praying. After 12 days, baby Kian was taken off sedation. We were told that the ventilator was popping his lungs and it was a possibility he wouldn't make it. The week, the same week, Global Barbar's message came on and towards the end, Global Barbar was praying and saying, organs are now being formed right now. New brain cells are being formed and restored. New heart, new kidneys. You who are laying in the hospital bed receive a miracle in your body right now. I claimed and received that prayer in baby Kian's uh, behalf. Five days after Global Bible was taken off the ventilator, no damage to lungs were found. Heart was beating at normal rate and he was breathing on his own. He was able to begin physical and speech therapy. Doctors said he suffered no memory loss. He, went, uh, he was sent home on his first birthday and will begin outpatient physical therapy next week. At present, he's using a feeding tube and will need to relearn how to eat, speak, stand, and learn to walk. But I'm confident that God would perform a complete healing in him. Please remember him in prayer as we continue to believe God for a restorative healing miracle for him. Thank you, Global Baba, for building my faith through the teaching of God's word. I celebrate you. Glory to God forevermore. Glory. Amen. Power City Campus member in Atlanta, Georgia, United States of America. Wow. Fantastic one. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Wow. Wow. Being confident of this very thing, that he who begun will complete it. So we declare that that baby is Restoration is total and complete and whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Bush, the Intercontinental and Global Barber, for this great work you both do. God bless you. My question, sir, Second Corinthians 5.21, King James Version, for he had made him to be sin for us, 
who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But he didn't uh, keep all the laws. He, he exact, uh, for instance, Sabbath. How is it, Global Baba, that he knew no sin? I've been wondering about this. Please help me. Second question. Who wrote about Moses' death since Moses himself wrote the book of Deuteronomy? God bless you, sir. Well, again, first of all, Sabbath is not, is not, uh, Sabbath is not a law that can, can make Jesus a sinner. Sabbath was a symbolic communication of God's rest. And Jesus is Sabbath. Matthew 21. He said, man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for man. And then Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus is our Sabbath. Stop looking at a day, look at the person. Sabbath was used to communicate Christ in the Old Testament. When Christ showed up, there was no more need for a Saturday set apart. Christ is now our Saturday. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, we that believe have entered into God's rest. So Sabbath is not a day, Sabbath is Christ. And in Christ, Monday is Sabbath, Tuesday is Sabbath, Wednesday is Sabbath, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day is Sabbath. And in Christ Jesus, you are in permanent rest. So that is why he was without sin because everything that was written was concerning him. Luke 24, 25 to 27, John 5, 39. Everything the scriptures wrote was concerning Christ. When Christ showed up, he fulfilled everything that was written concerning him in the prophecies and the promises and the types and the shadows of the Old Testament. I hope that helps you. It should. Okay, Global Baba, we move from the Americas or from Australia straight now to Asia, just next to us, it were. And this one says, Hello, Global Baba, I've been listening to and been transformed by your teachings. I just came in contact with your teachings on YouTube, and I can tell you, Global Baba, for free, I have been blessed. My question, though, Jude 9, does it mean that calling the devil names such as bastard is not right? Thank you for your response. I appreciate you, sir. Well, Jude 9 says the angels could not put on the devil a railing accusation. You are not angel. <laughs> you are in charge. You are in authority. It's under your feet. So that is not applicable to you. All right. Um, I think about now we fly straight into Africa, and Malawi would be our first spot of call. I thank God for your life, uh, dear Global Baba, and your synthesis in God's word. I've been listening to some of your sermons, and I can tell you I'm really impressed. You can help me on this question. I'm from Malawi, by the way. I'm confused. It seems to me that in the Old Testament, all fathers of faith had no inheritance in God or eternal inheritance in God because nobody died for them who is a testator. This implies the Old Testament folks were just servants without inheritance, yet God promised Abraham and his descendants many promises with an oath. Shall we say then that an oath is equivalent to death of a testator or purging of blood? Look at Hebrews 9, 15 to 18, Global Baba. Would you please expound more on this? Thank you. Konwani Jere in Malawi. Well, uh, the confusion you are having there is because you are still thinking of testament as in the fact that Jesus didn't die for them. But Jesus actually died for them. The gospel that was preached to them was the gospel of his death, burial, and resurrection in a promise. And they believed in that promise. And until they died, the promise did not happen. So when Jesus came... He fulfilled that promise. And upon his resurrection, he, he went to paradise, collected from them the promise of his resurrection, which was their kind of salvation, their kind of salvation, and gave them eternal life. And all of them, the Old Testament people, received the inheritance in Christ, rose together with him from the dead. 
So yes, they received their inheritance because their inheritance was Christ himself and it was made available to them in types and shadows. But when he, when, when he died and rose, he gave them the reality which is the substance of his life. We make progress uh, from Malawi to Malawi. Thank you, Sir, uh, Sir Global Baba. What would you say, therefore, is the biblically sound model or principle for giving concerning, or uh, yes, concerning giving by a new covenant believer, Pakaro Kaira, in Malawi? Well, the models are there in Acts of the Apostles. The people gave generously, the people gave liberally in the book of Acts. And the models are there in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. The churches in Macedonia communicated with Paul as concerning giving and receiving. And uh, the book of First Corinthians chapter 8 talks about the grace of giving which was in the churches in Macedonia. How that in their deep poverty, the riches of their liberality abounded. They gave themselves and even beyond their power, they gave. So there are a lot of New Testament models. We give our best, we give sacrificially, we give to honor the work of Christ. And we keep giving until the need is met. Hello, Baba. You just landed and now base first caller. Hello. Hello, good evening. Many thanks for joining us. You know where you're calling from? I'm Kelvin. I'm calling from Lagos. Fire on, Kelvin. Yeah, uh, I, am, I am so much blessed to speak to the inter, intercontinental Mr. Bush. And I'm a frequent listener to Papa. And I've been so much blessed to his teaching. But I just want Papa to pray for me. I'm believing God for a job. I lost my job last year. The company that I work with, uh, they shut down last year, December. And we, the workers, we are out. But I'm believing God for another job. I followed Papa last week about the miraculous. But I just want him to pray for me. My marriage is coming up soon. But I don't know how to connect uh, because my, my job is gone and my fiance is about to leave me. And I'm just believing God for a job. That's why I want Papa to pray with me. All right, Kelvin, we'll pray for you right now. And I'd like you to expect to receive that job by faith. In the name of Jesus, we declare that opportunities are released to you right now, Amen. supernaturally. Amen. God's favor has gone to work on your behalf. We speak words of faith over you. Receive the job in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. It's done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Bless you, Kelvin. Amen. No, Baba. So he doesn't have money, he doesn't have a job, and the fiancé wants to leave him. Well, I think uh, you need to think about that, your fiancé, twice. I mean, if she wants to leave you because you don't have a job, then she doesn't love you at all. That is a red flag. And if I am you, I'm going to tell her to just get out of my life and just go away. Because when she's supposed to stick to you is when you're actually in challenges. True friends are known when a man is going through tough times. So if I am you, I think I'm, I'm going to give that relationship a second thought. The truth is that if I am you, I'm going to quit that relationship. Because she can't threaten you. You had a job. It's not like you're a lazy man. It's not like you didn't want to work. It's not like you are waiting to marry and a wife feed you. You had a job. But like everybody knows all over the world right now, the COVID situation has sent a lot of people out of jobs. And this is not a time for her to threaten you. So, Kelvin, well, think about it. Bless you. Oh, Boba. Mm -hmm.
You know I love you. I know, yeah. I know. I love you. And that one is so real. Yeah, Our producer wanted us to push that one under the table and not discuss no, it. No, 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 why? I was coming there. I wanted to pray first. <laughs> and I'm glad you pushed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Global Bar will move to Zambia next. Says, uh, hello, Global Bar Band, Mr. Bush. I write from Lusaka, Zambia. My name should be Jeremiah. I have a friend who wants to hear you explain this verse. Kindly explain if God killed on and on not. Genesis 38, 9, and Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. You know, but, but sometimes I just wonder, why are Christians interested in knowing whether God kills or doesn't kill them? And, and he has not killed them. And it's not, you, you that is asking this question, or your friend, mm. haven't you done worse things than that, what that guy did? Did God kill you? If he didn't kill you, then it wasn't God that was killing. In the Old Testament, the devil was killing. You know, angels were killing, and they attributed it to God because they didn't know about the supernatural. Mm. So my advice, the misunderstood God series, was such your friend out, but it wasn't God that killed. God never kills. God only has life. Another caller. Hello. Yeah, this is China from Abuja. Okay. Bless you. Yes, fire on. As you go on back. Please. Okay, my first one is when they might know, look at my brother, one thing, forget that thing, one is the least. So my first one is this time. If one is born again, in truth and in truth, and then and then you want to Okay, please before you go, can you define backslide? Because I don't know what you mean by backslide. Okay, now what I meant you know maybe I said Was it because you stopped doing bad things that you got born again or because you believed in Jesus? I got born again because nobody that I believe in Jesus, I have been born with Jesus, I am ready to die for him. In fact, I don't know to do. I am thinking about him. But he sent me down to my marriage. What is the way I have I seen myself don't and I don't insult somebody you know? So let me help you because you are still mixing the concept of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, write it down so you can read. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is nothing you did. All this one you're saying, I'm in love with Jesus, I love Jesus, I will die for Jesus. Leave that side. That is not why you're saved. 
You are saved because Jesus loves you. You are saved because Jesus gave himself for you. You are saved because Jesus died for you. And then because the message was preached and you believed it, then the life of Jesus came on your inside. You didn't give Jesus your life because you don't have life. A sinner doesn't have life. Jesus gave you his life. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I am come that you may have life. So since Jesus gave you his life, it means it is Jesus' life that is inside you. However, if as a Christian that is truly born of God, you make mistakes, Jesus in you is there to guarantee that he helps you out of those mistakes, cleans you up, and perfects you for himself. You don't save yourself. Jesus saves you, and he saves you forever. It is called eternal life. It is called everlasting life. If you read that scripture again, we say, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. My advice for you, you may need to listen to my Soteria series. Soteria 1, 2, 3. That will be about 170 hours. It will help to settle you completely when it comes to salvation. Just 1, 2, 3. Don't worry about 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Just 1, 2, 3 will help. Bless you. Let's take our last uh, entry from Zambia on this edition of the program. Hello, Global Barban, Bishop Dr. Michael Bush. My, I'm writing this mail, bubbling with great joy in me. I will remain grateful to you, Global Barba, for the wonderful work you've done in my life ever since I discovered you through KLN in 2016. You built doctrine in me where now my life is full of light of the glorious gospel of Christ. I've come to know how deep the love of God is for mankind, John 3.16. I always take your words seriously because they carry life. As you always say, life is flowing through the airwaves. It's exactly that, Global Baba. You teach us doctrine to make us have a robust relationship with God. The week of harvesting, healing, miracles, signs, and wonders was just a catalyst because you taught us not to delay to open fire whenever our body seems to misbehave. You gave us a prophecy about living by instructions. That prophecy, the Spirit said instructions save us from many things. Life is very meaningful. There can never be any better life than this, Global Baba. Let me appreciate Mama Rachel for being such a gift and help uh, to Global Baba this mandate of reintroducing Jesus to this generation. The Triple J Plus are simply wonderful. Bishop Bush, you are wonder The way you read mails from all over the world and how you pronounce names of people from every country amazes me greatly. Great grace abounds to you all. Now, Global Baba, throw more light on Judges 19, 25 to 30, but I know I'll get material which has exegesis on it. Ladies, Leonard from Kitwe, Zambia. Leonard, what a blessing you are. Judges chapter 19. 25 to 30. 25 to 30. Put it up quickly. But the man would not hearken to him, so the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them, and they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning, and when the day began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her Lord was till it was light. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. Any story in the Bible that is not related to Christ, Christ. is not really important. They're just human events, things that happen around human beings. The only things that you look out for in scripture when you read is look out for Christ. That's all. So that story is just one of those stories in the Bible that you read. Just like the one you read in Exodus 4 where Moses said God was trying to kill him and he was looking for a way to kill him. 
and keep looking for a way to kill him. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay, Global Papa, let's just dash to South Africa. That's where we'll be spending the night. Say hello, Global Papa and Mr. Bush. I'm Olivia Temere from South Africa. I want to thank you, Global Papa, for your teachings in my life. I understand very well and believe the gospel you're preaching to us. My challenge is that when I hear this deep revelation of the word, my body reacts physically on my shoulders. They start to move uncontrollably like there are forces that want to come out. Was when I repeat the declaration that you give, please help me, Global Baba. I have a testimony. I used to dream dogs chasing me, but as I listen to your word now, when I dream, if I enter where there are dogs, none of them will come after me. Kind regards. The same way the dogs have stopped. <laughs> the same way the dogs have stopped chasing you. Yes. If you keep following to listen, your shoulders will calm down. <laughs> oh no! Okay, Global Baba. Enough for one day. Tomorrow yeah, is another day. Enter. I'd like to thank you. Global Baba, we just pray for all our prayer requests, even as it takes us home. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for those in need of miracles, those in need of healings. Amen. We declare your body healed in the name of Jesus. Amen. We declare God's favor upon your marriage, upon your family, and upon your desires for jobs and promotion and increase. We decree that you are blessed and experience God's favor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Global must go. This is Michael Bush, your anchor, inviting Global Baba to take us home. The Intercontinental. What a day. It's been a wonderful one. We want to thank all of you for giving us the time to, you know, fellowship with you, serve you the grace of God. And, uh, you know, if your questions have not been answered, keep shooting them in. We will in the course of the week. You don't want to miss tomorrow at 6 p.m. We're live again. Remember, tonight we're live uh, on Inspiration 9 to 10. Heritage 10 to 12, and tomorrow morning, 545, XLFM 11 to 1, Radio Aquaibom 1 to 3, XLFM 3 to 5, you know, your FM at 6 p.m. tomorrow. We're back here again. It's going to be an exciting time. We love you guys. Looking forward to serving the grace of God tomorrow. And until then, be blessed. Goodbye from Uyo, Nigeria. Amen.